Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, episode three, season two. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, we've got a full house. We've got Tasha, we've got Alicia, and we've got Dana, and we're ready to talk all things NRL and rugby league. Guys, let's jump into our listener question for the week, and it's a simple one. Who is your favorite player and why? Uh, Tasha, going to start with you. Yeah, Dan, look. Any of the listeners would know that I love uh, Ryan Pappenhausen and Luke Keary because they're ex-students um, at Oak Hill College. So I'm going to surprise you all and um, I'm going to pick my favourite player as being sometimes controversial but Victor Radley. I just love, as a spectator, I just love to see the big hits. I um, love that he's a bit of a loose cannon because that's always something, you know, great to watch. And he plays with so much passion. I love that he has absolutely no self-preservation at all when he throws himself and he puts his body on the line every single game. So, yeah, I'm picking uh, Victor Radley. Yeah, Victor the Inflector, I think that's a good choice there. Dana? Um, I'm going to go with a, a Melbourne boy. We're going to go with Christian Welch. Um, you know, on and off the field, he is a spectacular human. You know, off the field, he's an ambassador for camp quality. Um, you know, he's very active within that. He visits hospitals. He helps donate money, fundraisers he puts on throughout Victoria and whenever he's back home in Queensland as well. Um, but, you know, with the being as 6'5", 110 kilo man he is, does come with head injuries when you play NRL. Um, but, you know, I like to refer to him as the king of offloads because with um, Pappy and Brandon Smith by his side, he's up there with some of the highest uploads in the team, um, you know, and for a big man, he has got some speed behind him. So, uh, yeah, through and through, it's Christian Welsh. Yeah, he's had a he's had an incredible career when you think about it. There's a lot of players in, in, in I guess, that bucket where they get a bit sort of overshadowed by a lot of the stars down there, down there in Melbourne. Obviously, the... It is a star-studded team, and uh, you know he went from a jag, just a guy, you know, just that sort of toiler, to you know, hang on, this guy's a serious footballer, going on to play rep football, you know, stacked up the premiership victories as well. Now he's uh, he's a great player, and um, yeah, certainly someone that'll I'm sure will put in a great performance this year. Uh, Alicia, yeah, I found this one a tough one, um, but I've gone with Penrith winger Brian Toto. I think I remember interviewing him in 2019, and I was one of the first sort of do it when he came into grade and let me tell you he has not changed at all he's still as humble as they come um given everything that I guess he's achieved so far um what sort of bloke you know gets down on one knee moments after winning a grand final like the guy's a gentleman um you know awesome family man and he's he kills it you know he racks up over 200 meters a game um great finisher and you know I think he's sort of brought back the fact that you don't have to be the tallest winger in the world to, you know, be one of the best in the world. And he he definitely eliminates that with just pure effort and pound for pound, he just puts in, right? Like that those origin performances, um, you know, he was everywhere. So yeah, great guy to go with it. Yeah, and look con- controversial take. I know you got Nathan Cleary and you got Jerome Luai, but Brian Toto is the Penrith Panthers, you know, obviously local boy and you know, when you think of the Penrith Panthers, um, you just you just think of him, and um, 
he's kind of changing the game again. You know, from a winger's perspective, they continue to uh, be the surprise positions uh, in NRL, becoming one of the most important um, important players in the team. Look for me, uh, you've got to go to Newcastle Knights, and uh, it's no surprise that I am going to pick Kalen Ponga. It's scary how much I love you, Kalen, but I'm just terrified <laughs> that you're going to leave me. Uh, so uh, I may not necessarily have his number and name on the back of my jersey yet until he commits to that. Uh, to that latest extension, but uh, no, look, uh, watching him play, obviously outstanding play, a lot of, a lot of talent and certainly turned around our club in terms of, you know, attracting new players. So yeah, fingers crossed that, um, that we can sort of keep him there. Um, getting rid of his best mate may not have been the best move strategically uh, front office, but anyway, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, Kalen Ponga for me. How's he going to look in a dolphin jersey? I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I love the color red. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I appreciate that, and um, let's just hope that, uh, yeah, let's just hope that we can uh, start fast in, in the first couple of months and yeah, show him that we can um, somehow snag a premiership here in the Hunter. But uh, yeah, anyway, one to watch in 2022. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight: the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. I want to be king in your story. I want to know. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, we're going to deep dive into the Manly Warringah Seagulls and. Yeah, let, let's have a bit of a look at and recap on their 2021 season. Uh, Alicia, I'm going to start with you because there's, I haven't come across someone that predicted what we saw last year. I mean, this is a team that has kind of ebbed and flowed. You know, they've had a great season and they've struggled for a period of time, but no one could have predicted that they would have gone on that run. That um, Yeah, it certainly took the, took the game by storm. Yeah, I mean, they were, what, none, zero and four to start the year. Tom Trevojevic, obviously that hamstring injury that he suffered, uh, you know, running up the Corso did not help uh, Manly to start with. But I remember they they kicked that field goal without him. I think it was around five, possibly against the Warriors from memory, and it just sort of sparked their season. Tommy came back the week later in Mudgee and they ran riot. Um, against the Titans from memory, and that that was it. It was just the Tommy Turbo show, and it's pretty. It was pretty crazy now looking back, like just how much one guy can have an influence and sort of be the link man to make everybody else play. You know, almost thirty percent more than what what previously they were doing. It, it's almost hard to believe. It makes you sort of question what they were doing previously and how, how does that happen? I guess we haven't seen it a hell of a lot before. We see really good players come through, but the way that he was able to just influence other players to suddenly go an extra, you know, 30 gears, it was remarkable. So, yeah, and he just proved that he proved hard to stop throughout the year and, and Manly had, you know, got on a roll. And um, I, I don't think that they were ever going to sort of reach the, the grand final or really kick on, but, um, you know, they've definitely got a base now that they can work with and some guys um, unveiled throughout it, guys like Schuster and, um Olakowatu was great for them. Uh, Paseko really kicked on. So I think there's, there's plenty of positives for Manly heading into this year. Yeah, Le- Leish, you talk about uh, Turbo and there's no doubt 
Uh, and I think, you know, the whole rugby league community is talking about what an amazing player, you know, like um, there were some, you know, podcasts that were referring to, instead of calling him Manly, they were calling him Team Turbo because he was the whole team. But let's not forget, and just quietly, he came second in that race where he did his little hammy. Yeah. Um, so he is beatable, but um, I love him. But let's not forget about uh, the mad professor. Desi Hasler. Leading into last season, there was a big thing negotiating, I believe, with his contract. It took like months to negotiate, you know, the contract. And there was, I believe, um, some clause in that that said, you know, if you don't make, uh, if Manly don't make finals footy in the next two years, then we're not going to renew your contract into 2023. And you know, God bless him, He's he certainly did that. As he said, lost the first four games and he must have been, you know, a mad professor panicking, but, you know, managed to win 16 out of the next 20 games. So he's got to be a big part of, of that success in the Manly. Yeah, but Tosh, I don't even think, like, Desi could have predicted, you know, Turbo coming back could have made that much of an impact. So, like, the way that he did it from the first round back against the Titans in Mudgee, I think, you know, scored a hat trick or set up three tries from memory, and it was just, it was just insane. It just followed on from there. But I think it's sort of, you know, a guy like Kieran Foran settled back in. He had a really injury free year for once, and um, I guess it all just sort of clicked to them. Um, I still think they need a hooker moving forward um, to sort of help them go to another level. But you know, their forward pack fired, and just with t- Tommy at the back. Um, you know, he, he's he's the key man, obviously. Like, it's it's pretty obvious. But um, I, I wonder now, moving into 2022, what they actually do to sort of go to that next level because clubs are going to be watching how Tommy operated for all of 2021 and go, okay, how do we shut this guy down? See, the way they would shut them down is you don't focus on Tommy because you've got to remember there's not just one other Trevojevic now, there's two. So you've got Jake, you've got Tom, and you've actually, as of last year, got their little brother, Ben. So Ben debuted from the, he came up through the ranks of the feeder team through Manly and he debuted like last year. Um, So you've now got to watch out for not just two brothers, you've got three. So I think that is something that is going to keep a lot of clubs on their toes because this kid's come through, yes, you've got, you know, your older brothers, but they don't know what he's capable of. They don't know where his strengths or his weaknesses are. So I think Manly have a really good little pocket rocket advantage over the rest of the competition because people, I know people that don't even know that he debuted. So I think that's something to watch out for as well. Yeah, look, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how Ben performs. A little bit of pressure because his brothers can play football. Let's see what he can uh, deliver at this level. But you're right. Um, if, if, if one Travoy week wasn't enough, let's try and uh, plan against three. It's, it's definitely, definitely pretty challenging. Um, let's just round off that conversation on Desi Hasler, because if I read it right, if we think back a couple of years, let's think about the super coach, uh, coaches. There was Wayne Bennett, uh, there was Craig Bellamy, there was Trent Robinson, and there was Des Hasler. They were the big, they were the big coaches and quite rightly so they've all got the CVs, but you're right, Tash, you know, and, and Alicia, you know, you, you think about there was just that period, obviously the exit with the Bulldogs, some of the struggles with Manly. It just appeared that Des dropped down a category. Does that make sense? So my question to you, I'll throw it to Alicia. I'll throw it back to Alicia is, you know, in that one season, did Des do enough to, I guess, put himself back up to being um, a super coach? 
Uh, not quite, but I will say that he definitely um, impressed me in that. At Canterbury, he got criticised a lot for not bringing through, like, the next generation of Bulldogs juniors. Um, it was a massive sort of thing that when he left the club, uh, obviously they weren't in a great state and went to Manly. And even then, he was quite hesitant in in giving players debuts. But then in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, I think, as we mentioned before, he's blooded a lot of sort of guys, um, turned them into much better players than what they were 12 months ago. So I think in that regard, he needs to be credited. And that's what the good coaches do. Um, Trent Robertson did it with the rookies uh, last year. Craig Bellamy's done it pretty much his whole career. And obviously we all know what Wayne's done. So I think for Des to get back into that, he needs to sort of unearth those next big superstars. And any, as I said, he has with Ola Kowatu, he was awesome Last year, um, Josh Schuster is going to be something really special. Um, so, yeah, I think if he can do that for another 12 months, then, yeah, he can definitely get into that back into that super coach status, um, you know, alongside some of the best in the game. Yeah, Leash, I totally agree. Remember, he's he's unearthed um, Ola Kalatu as well as Josh Schuster, who I think are the perfect modern-day second rowers. Um, so the... the um, the Manly Seagulls can be very happy that they've got that. But back on the point of Desi Hasler, how he stepped down in in, in this um, coaching status, if rumour is true and he had to make finals footy this year in order to get an extension on his contract into 2023, if my maths are correct or what I hear is correct, that means that he will surpass uh, Bobby Fulton as um, being the manly coach for, uh, I think, over 307 games. So, Dan, in answer to your question, yes, he's going to hit the record books as one of those super coaches. Yeah, look, Tash, you know, and Leisha's touched on it as well. You guys keep talking about Josh Uster, which is great, but I think we're all forgetting a major playmaker for Manly last year, and that's Dylan Walker. You know, he is one of the most versatile players I have ever seen in the NRL. You know, he can bump around a 5'8", he can bump to the centre. You know, his speed and agility is almost unmatched. And just the way he is able to adapt to any position that he's thrown into that's caused by injuries or origin outages or whatever, I just think he's a very underrated player that, you know, getting tossed in between the Travojevics and the Daly Evans and, you know, the rest of the squad that mainly do have those major playmakers, I think he's just forgotten about. And I think that a lot of players also underestimate his skills just because you don't know what he's going to bring next because he is so versatile in every way. He is, Dana. He is so versatile. And we've talked about in previous shows how important that number 14 player is, and it is crucial. And I think that Dylan Walker is probably one of the best, if not the best. He's evolved into the best um, player off the bench, that vital number 14 role. Now, remember, Manly have only just given him a one-year extension. So interesting to see what happens with Dylan next year as to where he goes. I'm thinking, you know, maybe Dolphins or something if Manly can't hang on to him. He's a vital player. Yeah, the, the, there aren't too many sort of talented utilities that want to stay there for their whole career. I, I think at their core, a lot of players want to start and sort of cement a role. But at the moment, definitely riding the wave there. And, and Dana's right. Look, he, he was a bit of a discard too. You know, you sort of track his career. Certainly a player that had some some ups and downs but played really good football. Uh, Alicia, the, only, the other question that I've got for you is, and I, and I kind of I ask this because I'm a long-suffering Newcastle Knights supporter. 
So to see sort of an experienced halves player like Mitchell Pearce sort of suddenly leave the club puts us in a really challenging position. Interesting situation at Manly because you've got a player like Kieran Foran who was outstanding last year but isn't their long-term 5'8 with Jet, with Daly. Obviously with his injuries, getting a little bit older, his career will come to an end at some point. But for me, I think they've got I think they've got his ready-made replacement in Josh Schuster who we've spoken about, broken into the side as a second rower. Talk to us a little bit about the Schuster Foran situation in season 2022. What's your sort of predictions there? Do you, do you feel like Foran's just going to play the whole year at six? Schuster will play in the back row. Do you think there's going to be a little bit of mixing up there? What's your thoughts as they sort of try and plan for the future as well? Well, firstly, you and me both about the Knights and Mitchell Pearce situation. Um, no, I think for as long as Kieran Foran is at Manly, he should stay at 5'8". Uh, Josh Schuster for me is pretty like pretty bigish guy, um, suits that back row and it's almost pretty similar, right, the positions anyway. Like, it's only one more next to each other that, that they're playing. So, like, who's to say that that they can't both swap throughout the season and sort of Kieran can defend on the line um, on an edge or or whatever. But I, I think learning under Kieran Four and right next to him is the perfect um, perfect way for, for Schuster to, to learn while he can. And while, you know, as I said, while you've got Tommy coming around the back, you know, sweeping it's a dream for Josh Schuster to to play, you know, no look passes and and do what he wants. He's that that edge player, and I think if he did transition into five eight, he would have to probably drop a couple of kilos and sort of just trim up a bit. Um, but definitely learning in the back row right now is awesome for his defense, you know, the defensive side of the game. Um, yeah. To yeah. then come out and, and and perform in attack. Yeah, look, it's definitely going to be interesting because there does come a point where. He'll spend too much time in the back row and then he's going to move away from some of those playmaking skills. So it's going to be really interesting to see whether Manly agree with me that he is their long-term sort of six alongside Daly Cherry Evans. Maybe not. Maybe they do see him as a second rower, but ultimately it's probably something they're going to have to figure out sooner or later because, yeah, two very, very different positions. Uh, Tash, going to go to you on this one because these are a couple of players who got a lot of attention uh, in season 2021. Now, you think about the energy, the enthusiasm, the confidence that Tom Travojevic brought to this team, and it, and it was unbelievable. You know, some of the, I guess, naturally, probably probably not as talented, you know, players like uh, Brad Parker, Morgan Harper, Ruben Garrick. I'm going to give you the floor to talk about some of these players because, again, not the most naturally gifted players, but unbelievable production in season 2021. So I guess my question is, was it all Tom Travojevic or, uh, you know, do you see a little bit of talent amongst those three players and what are your expectations coming into the year? Oh, Dan, look, I think that um, you mentioned a few players there. Um, you didn't mention Jason Saab or maybe you did, but uh, Jason Saab and Ruben Garrick, they are wingers <laughs> that are massive strong and fast. I think, look, they're amazing, absolute amazing players. Morgan Harper had a great run in the centres, especially, you know, later in the season. So, yeah, there's they've got some amazing strike power. And when we're talking about, um, you know, uh, the spine, I've got a question. Um, they've got Lachlan Croker. Yeah, good. But what's the depth that they've got in the spine? Who do you go to? Like, do you go to Dylan Walker because he's like that? So, you know, I don't know, Dana or Alicia, have you got anything on that? Yeah, I think you do. Or, or Josh Schuster, as we as we mentioned earlier, they don't really probably have 
a, a decent half halfback coming through, I guess. Um, so if Daly did go down with injury, then they're struggling a little bit. But um, just on Saab, he, he's the perfect example of the turbo effect. Like you look at his stats without turbo on the field, it's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's it's so one-sided. Um, once turbo comes back on, he's a try-scoring machine. So I know we keep harping on be, about turbo, but he's the big example right it, there. It, Dana, it must be so difficult, though, for the administration to Alicia's point to figure out what do we pay these players? Like, are they good? Are they great? Are they elite? Because you've got a guy like Tom Trevojevic that's just pulling the strings. You know, the try assists are just unbelievable. He's basically giving the ball to them when they're over the try line. So good luck trying to figure out the contract situations, what to pay these people. But, yeah, same question that I asked uh, Tasha. What's your opinion on some of these outside backs? Do you see a little bit of talent within this group? Obviously, unbelievable production in season 2021. What's your expectations coming into the year? You know, like funny you mentioned that because that's literally the first thing I just I like just thought of then. I was like, how are they got the salary cap for all these major players that we've all spoken about, let alone the ones that we've forgotten to mention? But just on the back of what Tash mentioned about Ruben Garrett, I'm like, that bloke's almost a hundred kilos, and the speed that he's got down that wing is impeccable. Like he honestly, he gives Josh Adokar a run for his money, and Josh is about 80 kilos. So, you know, the skills that they've got coming through like Manly as much as people do you know disregard them a lot um obviously especially the 2021 season like Leash said earlier they were never going to make the finals that finals was always going to either be Storm Panthers or it was Panthers Bunnies you know it was always going to be those top teams but they gave them a good run for their money and I'm so excited to see what happens this year because I just think they've like you said, you know, if Cherry Evans is out with injury, he's getting to that age where, like we saw towards the end of Cameron Smith's career, where he had to choose between playing rep or playing your squad. So I'm excited to see who they kind of put in to fill that spot and see how far they can actually push themselves this year against those playmakers. Yeah, they're, they're definitely not the club to hate anymore, Manly, just because they've got Jake Travoy. And how can you hate a club that has Jake Travoy with a thumbs up, that smile, uh, very difficult uh, to, to hate them now. And look, it's that time of year as well to keep an eye on some of the younger juniors coming through uh, because one of the things that is exciting in, with Manly is they do have a few young kids coming through that are, you know, they're great talents and they're going to get a little bit stuck there behind a few players. Um, but, you know, uh, Toletau, uh, Kula, you know, he's had a lot of um, publicity over the uh, over the preseason in terms of his athleticism, his speed. Um, there's a few claims as to who is the fastest at the club at the moment. So, yeah, all signs are positive there for Manly. Probably the only question mark I do have is, again, that forward pack, um, definitely one of the better ones in the competition, but can they match it with the absolute elite of the elite? Probably something that let them down a little bit last year. All right, guys, most challenging part of this. I want to hear what your predictions are kind of looking like for Manly uh, for the season ahead. Tash, going to start with you. Yeah, Dan, my my sticking point with Manly is that um, they lost all six games against the teams ahead of them. Um, and they lost with an average of, of 20 points. So I can't put them in the, in the grand final. I can't put them, um, you know, as premiership winners. Until you beat those teams, those three teams ahead of you. Now, I'm definitely putting them in the finals, um, maybe third or fourth. I don't think they'll go further than that. Yeah, fool me once, shame on me. Like with Manly, they go up and they go down and they're not going to get me again. So even if they are going to have a successful season, I just want to put on record for preseason. I'm going to be conservative and say around about sixth. 
just because they've done this to me before. Um, so hopefully that's not the case and they can build on last year. Um, but they do have a tendency to kind of dip away. And, you know, there, there are a couple of question marks here. The hooker position, we know some of the sensitivities around that. Um, I've always got a, a keen eye on Kieran Foran, given his history as well. So, look, I'm going to be safe and say sixth. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see how that rolls. Dana, thoughts on this one? Yeah, on the back of everything that you and Tash have just said, I'm not as generous as uh, as Tash. I agree with you, Dan. I'm going like sixth or seventh, I reckon, almost mid, mid-card mid this year because, like you said, the highs are great, but those losses, when they're losing 42 to six to the Roosters, you know, that's – it's not a good look, um, you know, and I we can appreciate all these playmakers, but – when you've got such massive differences in points, it's that comes down to it. It's what is lacking that a team can get six tries over you getting one. Like I think that's a focus point that they're going to have to develop with these kids coming up over the next couple of years because obviously having all these massive playmakers, something's still not working. So maybe it's, you know, over the next few years once those players start to move on or retire or, you know, get drafted to the Dolphins, you've got to get give these kids a chance to be able to make that top four so i'm honestly unfortunately going like six or seven this year now alicia uh I, I am predicting though that you know this is the first year i've been brave and i'm kind of going to move them down the ladder but they're probably going to make me look silly for a couple of reasons number one tom dravojevic I, I think we've said his name quite a few times but you do get a bit of a sense that this is a win now type roster i think dana mentioned earlier around the salary cap and some of the future challenges that this sort of squad's going to have so you get the sense that you don't want to sort of pass up this opportunity like this is kind of a team that you know, really should be trying to win the competition. But um, I guess we're all over the place with our predictions at the moment. You round us off. What's your thoughts on this one? Well, I already copped absolute, like, feedback from that Roosters prediction last week. I didn't realise they were going to definitely win the comp this year. Um, So take my predictions with a grain of salt. But I think Manly will improve. I think they will learn from that finals, you know, how it sort of went wrong for them uh, with that finals exit against South Sydney and even against Melbourne a couple of weeks earlier. Um, they've got the team to do it. Um, and I think, that, you know, they're a hard side. If Tommy plays all year, then I have him in third spot, pushing in that top four. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and a quick match tonight as we take a look at a couple of really talented players, uh, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Tasha, I'm going to throw this straight at you because the two players that we're going to be matching up tonight in the match is Talatai Junior Moan uh, coming up against Tyrell Sloan. I guess as a fan, you know, you can't win the competition every year. So, so sort of this time every year, you're sort of looking for some of the young, excited, exciting players within the roster to give you that little bit of hope. And you know, you think about the Dragons. It's been a little bit of it's been a little bit of time now since Wayne Bennett uh, brought that championship to the Dragons. Um, yeah, it's been a tough few years, but you see some of these talented kids, such as Talatai and Tyrell, just gives Dragons a little bit of faith that they are on the right path here with uh, with Hook Griffin. Yeah, uh, Dan. Talatai, you saw him play, you got some glimpses of his creativity. Um, you saw him play a couple of games in the centres, but I really believe he's he's a natural 5'8". And I think now with um, Corey Norman uh, retiring, I think that 
he's going to really look to nail his starting position at 5'8". So I'm really looking forward to that. Like he's creative and, and he's, he's very effective when he takes on the line. So what's your what's your prediction? I mean, we, we can't sit on the fence when it comes to the match. So I, I know it's difficult. Junior Ramon coming up against Tyrell Sloan. But, uh, yeah, who would you pick here? Well, having spoken about Amon, then um, I'm going to go with uh, Tyrell Sloan. Like, he did enough um, last year to be, I think he was brought into the future, the 2022 um, State of Origin camp. So he caught Brad Fittler's eye. Um, he scored six tries in five games. Um, he's a, I think he's a crowd favourite and... You know, like he debuted last year, both in the knock-on effect cup and the NRL. And like I said, scored six tries in, in five games. He had a couple of try assists and 13 tackle busts. Like what what can't he do? So I'm not, I won't sit on the fence and I'm going to go with Tyrell. Yeah, not bad stats, that's for sure. Alicia, jump in on this one and we want to hear your, your, um, your selection here. But, uh, you know, you just get a bit of a sense with when these, when these really high-quality, talented juniors pop up. You know they're going to play in your club. They, You know they're the future, but it's this balance of you don't want to bring them in too early. You've got some experienced players kind of blocking them a little bit. You get the sense that the Dragons are kind of moved on a few players now. They're sort of trying to create this pathway, bring these young players into the team coming into 2022. So, yeah, talk to us about these two young players. A lot of talent, and um, hopefully they get a few more minutes this season. Look, I think both are going to feature heavily this year, um, I th- Anthony Griffin got criticised a little bit for not playing them towards uh, like the back end of last year, just given the, the Dragons weren't going to make the finals and all that. But I also think that they, he was protecting them a little bit. Um, you know, he wants them to have another preseason under their belt before, um, I guess, throwing them into into positions that they're, they're likely to play, you know, 20-plus games this year, um, given, as mentioned, who was left, the Dragons, Matt Dufty, Corey Norman, etc. So... I rate both players pretty pretty highly. Uh, interesting, Tyrell Sloan's still in uh, on a development contract. I think he'll get upgraded before round one and and play fullback. I think he's shown enough in his highlights. Um, and you know, Junior Mona, yes, he's uh, he's a very sort of I like he's a bit like Josh Schuster built. You know, he's got the size about him at five eight, and whether he's there or in the centres, I think. Um, you know, he, he's due to, to make a really big impact. I think the time's right for him to step into that dragon side alongside Ben Hunt. But, um, yeah, look, sitting on the fence, as I said, I think they're both going to play first grade this year. Uh, Tyrell Sloan, I like what I've seen with him. So if I'm talking about better player, well, I'll lean towards him. But, geez, they both offer some pretty good uh, skills. Yeah, that's right. No, Tyrell's probably just a little bit ahead. Look, I'm, I'm going to go with Junior Ramon. I, I think... <laughs> It's it's really really difficult when you think about playmakers now because what what, what we know is that they sort of hit their prime twenty seven twenty eight definitely later in their career so it's surprising when these young kids come in I mean the, the, these two players are nineteen years of age I mean to have this sort of talent at that, at that age is incredible but to come in the NRL and sort of perform at that level and be able to do it over the course of a whole season really really challenging so junior he he's got a, he's got a lot a lot of challenges ahead of him but I just think that he can pull this off. I just see some really special glimpses, um, and I think he's going to get some hard coaching. Um, he's definitely got uh, definitely got a lot of improvement in him, so I'm going to go with Junior. Okay, Dana, we're going to give you last call on this one. Um, these are two absolute studs, young kids, 19 years of age, a big future in the NRL ahead of them, and again, hopefully more minutes this year, but you've got to pick one. 
I'm so mad. I thought we were finally going to have a clean sweep, but I guess not. <laughs> um, you know, I agree with the girls. Um, Tyrell Sloan, like Tash rattled off his massive on-field achievements in the five games he's played in 2021. Um, it's incredible. But I think what puts Tyrell above junior for me is he's got he's got the drive. He's got, you know, he's been through a lot. And if you know anything about where he's come from and his family, you know, there's a reason he's focusing on NRL and he's going to be one of those those playmakers that I think coming up is going to be one of the best role models for young men, but also mainly young Indigenous men because he is uh, Aboriginal. And I think that that's something that he's focusing on. You know, I saw earlier that he is 19 years old, like you mentioned. He's never had a drop of alcohol or a cigarette or anything because of his family and what he's been through and he knows to avoid it. You know, he's had those hardships. His brother and his nan practically raised him and I think coming from those difficulties and having this opportunity, whether he's on a developmental contract or he gets, you know, a proper contract with the Dragons, I think this is something that is going to push him more and, you know, he's got his best mates with Josh Adokar. Ironically, they both go by the Fox in their, uh, you know, their own squad. So I think that for Indigenous Australians coming up and young kids from all walks of life, he's he's going to be one of the best. He's the role model for it. He's got the skills on the field and off the field, and I just think he's he's going to take that. Yeah, definitely well beyond his years. Definitely got the maturity of a 30-year-old and, uh, you know, not that not that traditional 19-year-old that's sort of coming through. Definitely showing a lot of maturity. And, uh, yeah, th- these, are, these are two high-quality players, that's for sure. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Again, this week on Rapid Fire, we're going to start a, a little series here, the Legend Series, and we're going to pick out some of our favourite retirees and uh, you just reflect on some of the great players that have played uh, our game of rugby league. Our first team that we're going to focus in on, Dana, your beloved Melbourne Storm players. So the question I've got for you in Rapid Fire is, who is your favourite retired Melbourne Storm player? Yeah, obviously, like within Melbourne Storm, there is some impeccable players that have been, you know, one club players or they've gone through the ranks, bopped around and then retired. But, you know, in in the few years that I've been following NRL, um, you know, being a Melbourne girl, I've I've gone with Ryan Hoffman. He's, for some reason, there was something that stuck out about him when I first started going to NRL games back in 2011. They just developed uh, Amy Park. It's this massive stadium, you know. Obviously, rugby's not massive in Melbourne, but something about Hoffy being a six-foot-something tall bloke with the speed behind him just stood out for me so much um you know when he left to go over to the UK and play in Wigan I was devastated um I remember like crying in the car on the way home my dad was like it's just sport I'm like but it's Ryan Hoffman (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing so you know but for him to play a couple years there come back do a stint at the Warriors to you know help represent his New Zealand heritage and then come back and have one last season to retire for Melbourne um, you know, he's just been one of my players through and through. And I think the best part of it is he's now the football operations coordinator for Melbourne Storm. So, you know, as part of their thing, all the people who are playing, they do have to study at university as well. So while he was playing, he got a degree in business and marketing, and he's now using that to play for a club that's been a massive part of his life for the past 15 years. So, yeah, Hoffy is definitely one of my faves and I miss him very much. 
Yeah, no, look, I think a little bit of success there at the Storm. You know, he sort of took a bit of a bullet to sort of go away, as you mentioned, with the salary cap issues and things. So, no, he, he's uh, definitely high high character um, guy away from the field and, yeah, just uh, definitely built himself an incredible CV, that's for sure. Uh, Alicia, thoughts on this one? Melbourne Storm, um, not your traditional new club that sort of comes into the you know, into the competition and struggles. They sort of, uh, they were pretty successful uh, early on and, um, yeah, they sort of haven't stopped since. So plenty of players to choose from, but, um, yeah, where are you going here? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I've gone with Greg Inglis, the Melbourne Storm version, Greg Inglis. Obviously, we, we know how successful he was when he went to the Rabbitohs, but I just remember he's, you know, his baby face, 17-year-old, making his debut for Melbourne at, at um, the old graveyard and, it was awesome, you know, seeing seeing him sort of branch out alongside Israel Folau and, you know, playing alongside Cooper Pronk, Cameron Smith. Like, no wonder they were just really tough to beat, you know, back in the day. It was, it was hard watching, especially if you were a Knights fan. Whenever they went down and played in Melbourne, you knew you were going to get yeah. rack up 50 against. So, yeah, just GI, I, you know, it's – I would have liked to have seen him stay at Melbourne a little bit longer. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. GI for me. No, I remember that. Uh, Newcastle Knights didn't have the best record there. And, uh, yeah, embarrassment of riches there from the Melbourne Storm. Definitely had a great career. Look, for me, uh, difficult to say, but at the same time, there probably is only one player that I could select here, and it is the great Cam Smith. And I say that as a Newcastle Knights, Andrew John's tragic. Uh, a conversation for another day is who is the greatest player of all time, but Cam Smith's um, CV definitely puts him in that conversation. So, um, yeah, incredible player and, um, yeah, definitely built a built a, din- a, a dynasty that we'll probably never see again. So yeah, incredible from Cam Smith. Tasha, round us off here. Um, yeah, again, this this club just wins um, pretty consistently. So, um, yeah, good luck picking one player. Yeah, Dan, a lot of great players. And it's no surprise that, you know, um, a lot of them are, are- – Queensland players um, that you guys have mentioned that are legends um, for the Storm. Um, yeah, Dana, I saw you pump your fist there. But um, no surprises again, I'm going to go with a New South Welshman. Now, Leash, you mentioned a young GI and baby face. I'm going to go totally opposite um, and talk about a man that was known as the brick with eyes. Um, my favourite retired Melbourne Storm player is Glenn Lazarus. He, I think he's... One of the greatest ever front rowers. Um, he had this fantastic success rate. Um, and I don't think it's been equaled that he won five titles with three different clubs. Um, and I think it'll be a long time before we ever see that that happen again. So brick with eyes for me. Yeah, he was rent a, rent a premiership, wasn't he? He just, you know, he just went out, he wanted to wanted to win a competition, bring Glenn to the club, and uh, yeah, outstanding and uh, definitely jump onto YouTube and check out some highlights because, uh, yeah, he was he was some sort of player. Speaking of rent a premiership, that goes back to to last week when we were talking about the Panthers and Paul Momorowski. He's doing the same thing, so I reckon it's a bit of a second coming through with Paul. It's rent a premiership, Pe- Melbourne Panthers. I guess it's the Roosters now. Yeah, no, def- definitely a concept to keep an eye on and something that front offices, I'm sure, will uh, keep a close eye on as well, especially if you get the player quite cheap as well. All right, guys, well, that's all the time we have tonight. just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. Uh, to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, uh, continue to support the platform, uh, download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll see you then. We won't hesitate.
garden gate There's not much time left today 